WTNJ Radio Show. Good evening. Good evening. Yeah, we're back, right? How's my audio? Mm. Can you hear me? I can't hear you. How's that? Just, just can't do it. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can't. I can't hear you right now. All right, just give me a second. Well, people can probably hear me out there. This is the TNJ Radio Show. We're getting this set up. It's going to be a good show today. Ah, there we go. Can you hear me now? Yep. All right, you probably couldn't hear me over the music. <laughs> it's all good. So we're going to wait for a couple people, more pe- people to come in. So just, just bear with us. Can you hear me when the music's off? Just checking. Yeah. Can you hear me? Sounds good. All right. Just waiting for a few more people to come in here. We got a special guest coming in. YouTube, get those likes up for us, man. Hit that like button, hit the subscribe. Also, hit the notification. Get the likes up. All right, man, let's get to it. I was liking that. <laughs> you was digging it? Uh-huh. How I sound over there? Uh, sounds good. Sounds great. I was about to light a candle. Ah, there you go. I see you got the nice ambiance in the back. Is that a painting or is that real? Ah, that's, that's a little bit of both. No, it's it's real. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, man, how, how was your day today, man? Uh, it was an awesome day, you know, down, down at the beach. Enjoying the time kicking the sand. Okay. Okay. Well, um, again, this show we're going to do again, it's called uh, Would Black America Be Better? And um, my name is Leron J with TNJ, and your name is? William A. Thomas here. 
Yeah, yeah. So we got we're gonna get to it, man. We're gonna definitely get to it. So we're gonna definitely talk about that. Um, you wanna brief everybody and then we're gonna start getting the callers in. Yeah, absolutely. So for those of you who missed the last show where we were talking about would black America be better, what we mean by that is if if black people were the majority, economics, government, um, you know, any measurable, you know, thing, education, um, anything, if, if black people were the majority, would it be better? Because we have a lot of people that say that um, be, because we're in a situation where we're not the majority, that it's a white supremacy or whatever it would be. And that's what's keeping a lot of people down. So we're asking the question, would black America be better? Right, right. So, um, you know, this was one of the most requested uh, videos that we have done lately. So, you know, we definitely gonna get into that. What other topics we gonna talk about? Uh, we, you know what? There's a there's a lot going on, but even even within this, it's going to end up touching a lot of um, different areas. We 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 touching finances, we touching family, you know, all all of that. So okay, all right. So what else you got on here on the banner? Let's see, see here. Got it. Yeah. So we got on here. If majority was major black all levels population government and economics would it be better we also here let me just show you guys real quick who are the winners in a black america how does this affect the rest of the african diaspora also how would violence between blacks be viewed how much of let's see Oh, this is a big one. How much of the history needs to be known for Black America to work? Okay. Now, yeah. how, how can they get in um, and call to us? So those who are trying to get in on, on the um, link, it'll, it'll be in the comment section. Just click on the link and you'll be able to come on. We'll bring you on. Let's get it. Cool. All right. Yeah, I see uh, Trish is in the building. <laughs> you see what she said. Uh -huh. Shout out to Tris. <laughs> Tris, we love no, you. We, we ain't trying to do that, man. We ain't trying to do that. We're just having a conversation. You could you could get in too. You know? All right. Well, um, we see we got some callers in the uh in queue. So we're gonna uh just give us a minute. All right. Okay, so what's your thoughts on it? Well, let's talk about this a little bit more. And um so Initially, like I said, you know, there were the thoughts of if everything's so bad, you know, would, would it just be better if it were a black America? Now, here, here's my thoughts. You know, I, I've seen some people that say H, no, you know, for different reasons. Maybe they were just hating or whatever. But mm -hmm. the, the fact of the matter, what it comes down for me is that there's good and evil. Hold on. Sorry, we got a caller calling in. Give me one second. Hey Lamont, you live? Can you can you hear me? Okay. Hey Lauren, how's it going? Good. Now, can you can you hear him? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Okay. So Keith, Keith, we got you in the um queue. We're gonna put you on as well. Uh, you want to put them on both on the same time? Yeah. You know what? Let, uh, how, what Lamont? 
Is that right? I don't know if you can hear you. Lamar, can you hear me? It's, it's fine. I couldn't hear the other person on the other line. If you got somebody else on there. Oh, you, you said you can't hear them? Uh-uh. Okay. I can hear you, but I, I can't hear anybody else. All right. So basically, I'm, I'm asking the questions, and then we'll do it that way. I don't think it's working on the yeah. other end. Okay. So right. in the meantime, what I'm going to do is um, I'm going to bring a, a couple on the Q1. Um, give me a second here. Or, you know what? Let's bring Keith on. Yeah. Hey, thanks again. You guys hear me? Yeah. Um, real quick, we're going to mute you real fast. We're going to um, ask uh, Lamont some questions. All right, cool. All right. Hey, man, how's it going down there, Lamont? Oh, man, it's good. It's uh, raining, raining right now, but we all good. Okay. So uh, we're going to get to it real quick. Uh, so what do you think? Would Black America be better in your in your estimation? And what we mean by that is like majority Black people in America. <laughs> oh man, just uh, I mean you can you can you can answer that question by just driving around right now, um, getting getting in your car, going go to the black neighborhood, and going to the suburbs. Which one do you think is better? <laughs> mm. You know, and it's like you know with business and 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 everything as far I mean everything, man. We we just. We, we we sidestep everything we do as a, as a people, man, and it's and it's sad to see. You know, you go into you in the suburbs driving around, and you you driving past all the small businesses in the suburbs, and they got professional signs and stuff, you know, in front of their business. Everything looks spotless and immaculate, and like you go to the hood, and then, you know they got a painted on sign and you know woodwork going on. So you know we gotta we gotta step up our game. You know what I'm saying as far as. Uh, our professionalism goes and, and as far as holding ourselves accountable as a community as a people we mm. have we still have yet to do that you know we had groups like the black panthers and stuff like that but they they didn't really do community outreach like that and they're only in a few few cities and states so as a people man like it's really going to take for us to uh be real with, with one another and be real with ourselves and look in the mirror as a community and stop pointing the finger you know mm, mm, that's good that's good so, um, so you're you're in. Uh, are you from South Florida? No, I'm originally from Cleveland, Ohio. I, I came down here in 2007, and I came down here with 250 dollars in my pocket. Man, I just had to get out of Cleveland. It was just so bad. Mm. There was just no opportunities or nothing there. So I just heard the voice of God tell me to go, and I just left. <laughs> wow. And and you know, God 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 bless, man. I, I had a place to live the very next day after I got here. So that was all all a blessing and a testimony. So mm. yeah. Okay. So um okay, so you from you from uh Cleveland and you moved down there. Um now are you working or you, you start your own business? Yeah, I started my own business when I came down well when I came down here I really I transferred. I was a assistant manager of Blockbuster at the time. Mm -hmm. And um I think I was making like fifteen dollars an hour, and then when I got down here, it's like, oh, we're gonna start you off at, at, at eight fifty an hour. I'm like, eight fifty? What you mean? I'm just transferring. <laughs> I'm not a new employee. Mm. And so it's like, well, the you know, uh, the pay rates are a lot less in Florida than in the rest of the country. So I was, I was like, blown away by that. So after I got my first check, 
I was so insulted. I was just like, you know what? I, I'll make more money putting in 40 hours a week on myself than with this company. So that's what I did. Mm, good stuff. Good stuff. Mm-hmm. So, um, so basically, you felt like you could do better on your own, as far as uh, businesses. Now, was it uh, hard to start your own business being black? Well, it wasn't never. It wasn't hard because I, I had already. I was already doing it. Mm-hmm. Like I do graphic design and website development and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But I oh, okay. already started doing it. I had a record label in Cleveland, and I was already doing the CD covers for all of the groups and, and stuff like that. So when I came down here, it was, it was really just me, you know, after I came to a crossroad on whether I wanted to stay in the music industry or whether I wanted to just cross over and, and switch up things, you know, with the, with, with the career path. So that's what I chose to do. Okay. Um, now, did you, um, when you was in Cleveland, did you uh, experience any racism or anything like that? You know what? It's like Cleveland, it's weird, bro. It's like... Um, no, did you won't experience any racism in Cleveland at all, mm-hmm. Di- like not directly, but you'll feel it. Like it's like, <laughs> like you go to the suburbs, it's like this, it's like Cleveland is really segregated as far as community-wise go. Mm-hmm. And you know nobody uh, will, will do anything racist towards you, but but you'll feel it. Like you'll go, you'll go, you'll be in the suburbs, maybe go to a. a little corned beef spot like this one place in Beechwood called uh Sa- Slimans that everybody loved to go to and we I went to that when last time I visited Cleveland I felt like I was in Russia so, <laughs> yeah yeah it was it was real bro everybody was looking at me like I was out of place I'm like what I ain't so you know like it seems like all the races that live down south moved up north mm. that's what it really feel like because I've been down here like I said since 2007 and I haven't experienced no racism down south whatsoever. Period. Wow. So, it's, it, it only felt like that when I go back home to visit home. So. <laughs> wow. So, um, does it matter to you if America is majority black or white, and why? Nah. It don't matter to me. I mean, it's it's it's, it's been majority white. Mm-hmm. So we already seen we already seen what that is. So mm-hmm. now that now that it's now that it's mixing up a lot. We don't have to worry about that no more. <laughs> wow. So, so we can't really, you know, talk about. I hear a lot of people talking about um, things like, you know, systemic racism don't exist and 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 stuff like that, and that's all a lie mm-hmm. by people who just don't know what systemic racism is. Mm. You know, systemic racism. You know, they're looking. It's not nothing that you can see or look for. Mm-hmm. Systemic racism is a means to keep a, people disenfranchised. So, what do they do? When you um, if if you live in a in a suburb right now, mm-hmm. try moving to a black community and see how much your insurance rate on your car jump up, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, or, or or you know go to a go to a, a grocery store in a black community versus a grocery store in a white community, and mm-hmm. see the quality the difference in the quality of food and even the food that's on the shelf is even a better quality than what they sell in the black grocery store. So it's like systemic racism is a hidden thing. It's not nothing that that you can even see. So I think a lot of people fall, miss the ball when it comes to that. But um, like all of these things, it's not white people that done none of this stuff to us, bro. Like me, I was saved, and 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 well, I, want, I ain't gonna say I was saved because ain't none of us saved yet. But I received the I received the spirit back in 2013, and um, you know, and I and I I was reading the word. I got into the word, studied the word, and when you read the book of Deuteronomy, you know, you'll see that it's all our fault that slavery happened to us. It's our fault. That you know, God put this in these people's heart to to frown on us and look down on us because we transgress against Him. So, 
that's that's when we got to look in the mirror and see what we did and how we got ourselves to this level. And until until we can get everybody to look in the mirror and stop pointing the finger, like right now, everybody's pointing the finger at the white man, the white man, the white man. Mm-hmm. But it's us, it's us transgressing against God that 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 God put that thing in the white man to hate us like that. You know, so that's what people got to wake up and realize. Okay, we see we see you guys in the queue. Just hold on for a minute. Um, okay, so um, now far as politics does that have anything to do with you know like the redlining that they were doing and all that does that have anything to do with uh why black people's not um growing financially in this country well black people aren't growing financially in this country because it's fine uh there's no financial literally literacy being taught in the black household mm-hmm. you know i grew up i had to learn everything on my own like nobody taught me nothing about credit about managing balance in a bank account about none of that and I came up with both my parents in the house, and we lived in a in a in a middle class neighborhood, mm. you know. And so, and they still didn't teach me about that because that's just something that's not discussed in the black household. It's not in our schools. They don't teach it at home, and and that's that's where we fail at. It's not being taught at home. That's where it's failing at. We can't even we can't even depend on the system to teach. These people don't care about us. So we why would we why would we sit here? And, and depend on people to care about us that we know don't care about us. We got to care about ourselves and our children. It starts with care about our children right now. You know, it's like, even if, if your parents didn't care about you and you got kids, care about your child. That's where it starts. Mm-hmm. So, you, so you say it starts in the home? It starts at home. It all starts at home, but but people don't want to look in the mirror. They want to point the finger because they don't want to look in the mirror and see the, the fault in their own, own selves. Good stuff, good stuff. Well, um, definitely, we appreciate you, Lamont, for um, getting on. Um, we have a few more callers. Uh, we want, but what we like to do is uh, we like to promote businesses on here. Would you um, want to tell everybody what you're doing? Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah. Well, uh, my business, like I said, I do graphic design and website development. Um, the website is GroovyGraphics.co, and Groovy is spelled G-R-U-V-Y, Graphics.co. I'm also running for uh, the Hillsborough County School Board in Tampa, Florida in 2024. So you can, um, you know, support there at lwjordan.com. All right. Well, we're going to put your uh, banner up, man. And again, Lamont, I really appreciate it. Uh, and um, is there anything, last thing you want to say? No, I just want to say, man, I, I, I pray that all of my brothers and sisters can come off of that Democrat plantation. Mm. Um, I've been a Democrat all my life until trump ran for office and it wasn't it wasn't just about trump running for office that made me switch to a republican like you know they gave me an opportunity in 2010 to work on a a celebrity apprentice over a whole bunch of white companies you know and i was just a freelance black graphic designer he just saw my work and said let him do it so i ended up doing a graphic design for the whole season of 2010 celebrity apprentice Wow. So when, when he ran for president and they, they came out and said, oh, he's racist, he's racist. Like I knew firsthand they was lying. So what does the Bible tell me about, you know, people that they that, that cast false, you know, cause a false witness on somebody. <laughs> mm-hmm. So that that and and that and it was a movie that was put out by a, um, a filmmaker or, or his name is Dennis D'Souza. I'm pretty sure you heard that name before. Yeah. But he, he put out a, a documentary called Hillary's America. And the title was spent will throw you off. It had nothing really to do with Hillary Clinton. It was more of a documentary of the Democrat, the history of the Democrat Party. Mm-hmm. So when I watched that documentary, 
it was so full of, of factual information about like who was really behind our slavery and our injustices. And it all was the Democrat Party, bro. Mm. All was the Democrat Party. Like when the Republicans came, that's when we became free citizens. Wow. So if Martin Luther King was a Republican, you know, so, and then when you look up videos of Malcolm X on YouTube, what he says about black Democrats. So all of those things, you know, that just made me just wake up, you know, and I just hope everybody get a chance to wake up like that, bro, and, and, and free themselves from, from, from that depression. Man, we really appreciate your comments, man. That was deep. Mm -hmm. Appreciate it. Thank you for having me on. All right. All right, Lamar, you have a good day. You too. All right, we got so, more people in the queue. Yeah, so let me just um, get everybody intro intro here. We we have Keith on. Um, Keith, um, tell tell me a little bit about your background. Yes, so thank you for uh, for allowing me to be on this uh, call. Uh, my background: I'm a counselor, uh, so I work with uh, kids and families in the community. So you know. Um, do, do, do some consultancy as well. So that's a little bit about my background. Um, from the DMV area, from DS, from DC. Um, uh, spent some time in Pittsburgh, the great city. <laughs> city of champions. City of champions, yellow and gold. Uh, black and yellow, I mean. But uh, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, definitely. That's a little bit about me. Okay. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to, I'm going to just for a second, I'm gonna put you on mute. And I'm gonna bring on, just add to the stream also, um, this young lady, uh, Tierney Cherie. She is a civil rights attorney. Um, I've gotten to know her over some years. Um, did, did you wanna tell them a little bit more about yourself? Well, I am the sister of of Shaq B. Um, so anyways, yeah, my name is Karen. Um, I'm a civil rights attorney, like you said, by profession, but more relevant, I'm an organizer. I organize an organization um, called We Charge Colonialism. Um, it's a pan-Africanist organization, primarily based in the U.S. as of now. I'm also a part of the National Conference of Black Lawyers. We've just started a new initiative, Decolonizing Human Rights. Um, so that's just some of the things that I've been working on, but I also have a YouTube channel called African Esquire TV, where it's a Pan-Africanist YouTube channel. We talk about different things happening around the African diaspora. So a little about that myself. Okay. All right. That's huge. And I know that, um, you know, everyone on here is going to have some unique perspectives, you know, and, and, and that's certainly fine. So and I'm pretty sure both of you have been following along. We're talking about would Black America be better, meaning if Blacks were in the majority as far as the population, government, economics, all those different things, would it be better? You know, so um, uh, Keith was on here first. What, what do you think about that, Keith? Yeah, definitely. I, I'm, I'm, I'm inclined to think that uh, Black America would be better uh, if it was the majority. And when, when I say the majority, I'm just I'm talking about the, uh, the number, I'm talking about uh, uh, power. Right. Because there's no point in just being a uh, majority in number. You don't have no type of leverage. So if, if black people were the majority in, um, in this country, you know, hopefully they would have the, the numbers within, you know, having resources within government, uh, within uh, within politics, uh, within those different things that, uh, you know, can 
get us more, you know, uh, a better living, um, a better quality of life. So, you know, you know, when, when you're, I, I believe when you have the, when you're the majority, um, and you have access to the, those type of resources, such as housing, such as uh, politics. I mean, you know, things are going to be better for your group. You know, this I, th- I think it's a, uh, it's a it's a it's a broad question. It's a question to be broken down into into finer things. But black people would definitely um, uh, do well if they were able to control um, the messages, right? That come into their community. If they were able to control the real estate, right? If they were able to control um, um, the schools, right? So uh, black people would would do, would do very well as long as things were like really legit and controlled, and um, you know, you know, they had the opportunity to write the, the the policies and the laws that govern this nation, right? So you know, given the opportunity, you know, throughout history, whenever you put a black person in. in not, not all the time. This is not absolute. And we're not a monolithic group and we don't all have the same, you know, ways, the same morals. But I think given the opportunity and given the time, I think black people can do and prosper in this country if they, if they were the, the majority. And um, not, not just in, um, just, just a number. Just, uh, just, uh, what do you think about what he's about? You asking me? I, can't. Me. <laughs> I hear a little feedback. Is that me? Who has the feedback? Is it me? Yeah, I think it's. Uh, no, it's not you. Oh, my. All right, so what was your question, Will? Uh, no, nah, I just want to say, uh, what, what did you think about what Keith was saying? Oh, Keith. Keith, man. Okay, so, well, you know, um, Europeans actually run this, right? Correct, right? And if you look at the, like, far as financially, well, better yet, ge- geographically, I drive a lot around a lot of places, and a lot of these people are poor, living in um, uh, trailers. What do, you, what do you say to that, Keith? A lot of uh, which people are poor and living in trailers? Uh, white people. Uh, white people. <laughs> All across the United States. And they, yeah, they that have, exists. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that exists. So, you know, you, you're going to have that segment of population that's still going to be poor, no matter what you do, whether they're black or white. You know, that's that's class, right? Why is that? Why is that? I, hey, there's different reasons. There's multi, it's, it's a multi-pronged thing. You know, but, you know, if you're if if you're white and if you're but if you're part of the 80 percent, what, what are black people around about? 14 percent, 12 to 14 percent of your population? Something like that. Mm-hmm. You know, there, there's going to be that segment of population that, you know, didn't go up the ladder for whatever reason, whether it's a, it's a disability, whether, you know, it's, it's motivation, whether it's uh, just the opportunity mm-hmm. um, in, the, in the area that's going to exist, you know. Okay. Um, but and, and also at the same time, you know, you're going to have that segment of the population that's going to be in, in the middle class. And those that do very well, and that's that you know that's a fraction of the fraction, right? Mm-hmm. So you know, just looking at it holistically, you know, you're gonna have all those groups of you know uh, whether it's black people that's majority or whether it's white white people that's gonna that's the majority mm-hmm. right now. Um, 
So, you know, that that's I wish I could say there was one answer for, you know, why there is, you know, poor white people, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, there's poor people, period, right? For different reasons, but you know, that's going to exist whether, you know, if if All right. Do you do you believe in uh the capitalist system or or what? Do I believe in the capitalist system? Mm-hmm. Capitalistic system. Um All right, I believe in opportunity. I believe in opportunity, and you, I believe that, you know, if a person has the opportunity, um, and they have the the, the work ethic, and they have, you know, if, if they're lucky enough to have the right uh, network, I think they could do well in a capitalistic system. That, but they have to know that it's okay. a capitalist. So, sorry to cut you off, but uh, do you feel like black people have the work ethic? Today? Oh, of course. We don't want, black people work very hard. Black people work very, very hard. I mean, um, and to prove that, you know, we're in like every almost look. Look at it. For instance, you know, if it wasn't for if it wasn't for a lot of things wouldn't wouldn't be able to survive if we weren't he, here in this country. A lot of people, things wouldn't be invented if we were not in this country. Through black people's in the innovation and, and service, I, you know that's been proven throughout history. You know we were hardworking people. I think we could, uh, if we had more resources, if we had more opportunity, I think we could go beyond just hard work and really be able to live. What you got to say that, Will? Well, I'm gonna defer. I already know that uh, there's a. You know, Tyranny has a unique perspective. Well, it's, let me see, it, it's not unique um, in the sense that, that only a few, but it's a different perspective than um, probably a lot of the, you know, um, people that we talk to and, you know, she's about to bring the fire. So. <laughs> I mean, uh, well, first of all, the, the original question, um, I think it does have to be broken down, as he said. Um, The original question being, um, would a majority Black America believe be better? Um, The first question I have is, would the same characteristics that we associate with America still be intact? Meaning, would we still have a country that was created on someone else's land? Will we still have a country where the economic system was built on the labor of enslaved people? And in a modern context, if we still have America that's current economy is largely based on imperialism and colonialism, or what we call neo-colonialism. So in that sense, um, if we were to put a black face on that, I would not say it's better in many instances where there has been exploiters who have a black face and they act as if they are essentially their master. Sometimes they're more effective because of their color. They are given more deference than the white man would receive. And we see that those people who are many times, if not always, sponsored by a European entity, the people are just as oppressive and sometimes worse. So that would be my first question. If you're speaking of an alternative universe where America is a country that well, is let me, not. 
let me just clear it up real quick, Bernie. So yeah, yeah. basically, uh, you know, America exists, and then you know something happened. Maybe um, you know Thanos snapped his finger, and about um, you know eighty percent of white people had disappeared, and as well as every everyone else. And all of a sudden, you know, at the majority was black people, and we just multiplied and multiplied and. We became the majority, you know, the, the power, the economics, the government, all of those different things were a majority black. So, yes, because it, it, it's America, then, you know, everything else would have had to be the same. So, so essentially the system's the same. And so I would not say it's good. And the other thing being a Pan-African, I do not look at Africans in America's experience being separate from the global African experience. So I cannot imagine a universe where I am okay over here in America, whereas all every single other country where I go, my people are suffering. Um, so I can, since I cannot detach those two things, I would believe that America being the same, the institutions being the same, but having a black face on it would not be anything to be celebrated. Essentially, we would be, we would be becoming our own oppressors. So that's my view on that. Mm, that's deep. Mm. That that's pretty much, uh, and that's a possibility. You know, um, studies have said that I think they said twenty fifty five or whatever year, then you know, um, white will be a minority through you know mixing of um, races and different things like that. I don't know if it'll mean black will be majority, but you know, those those type of changes may actually happen. You, know. you can say you can you can even say that it's happened figuratively if you look at a country like South Africa, a country that similar to America was based on settler colonialism. They had a constitution ratified, I believe, in 1994, and what changed? Still have the white people in the background who are benefiting from the institutions. We have a black state politician, and now you have the people thinking that we have no way out because essentially the people who represent us or not represented representative of us. So we've seen this happen. We see it happen obviously currently inside of the African community. We see civil rights leaders who before were fighting to become integrated and once they became integrated, uh, they took the place of uh, of the master and now they're in a place where they're being equally as oppressive to black people. So I don't think that, that um, visualization is anything different than what we've seen before. Um, but when but, yeah, us having a democratic republic style of government would be a little bit different than what's going on in South Africa or most countries in Africa. South Africa has a, a democracy very much. Right. They're, they're, they have just all the institutions we have in America. And that's why I'm not a big proponent of democracy in itself. Um, what were we saying? Well, we don't, we don't have a democracy here, right? Well, that's what a lot of people say. I think that we have the system that was created to do exactly what it's doing. So for example, whenever you look at the concept of democracy originally coming out of Western Europe, there's always been a certain part of society that would be given more benefits because in that context, they were property owners or they were slave owners. I think that the democracy in America does not depart from that democracy. So I don't think that um, it's not necessarily that the democracy is not functioning as supposed to function. I think democracy has always been thought to benefit one class of people aside from the masses. 
Um, but if you're talking about the idealistic concept of democracy, I don't think any country rep is representative of that. Right. Well, we, I mean, that's not what we have here, but in South, you said South Africa, so they have a democracy. Do you, do you think South Africa thinks they're oppressed? The South Africans? Oh yeah. I just did a, a interesting panel with a number of, uh, of Africans and from South Africa that participated in the Soweto uprising. And the big issue that occurred after the um, 1994 constitution was that you had um, Nelson Mandela, who we love him for some reasons, but we can also be critical of him for many reasons. One of the reasons is he made a deal that he would essentially um, accept majority rule, majority being Africans, obviously, without requiring that the minority white property owners surrender the land that they had uh, control. Um, sorry about that. So today in South Africa, 10% of the population is white and they still own 80% of the land. Africans are about 80% of the population. They're all put inside these townships. Most of them are not landowners. Um, so that's that's a democracy, technically, they can vote, but the power is not there. If you don't have power, um, I would say anything else is a clue. Well, how, how do you get the power? Power, you seize power. You don't beg for it. You don't plead. You don't ask the master. Power is something that victors win only. So there's, in my opinion, we haven't seen um, many examples of power being achieved because usually we're told we receive power whenever we receive handouts and representation. Now, now, um, and we're going to, we're going to come back to America in a second, but but this is a interesting thing. Yeah, she's South killing it right now. If, if we have a if they have a democracy over there, and whenever whenever I say democracy, democracy, I think of mob rules. Pretty much, if you're on the same page, you can get whatever you want. Except for in the instance of, you know, if the military just says, all right, we're not going to listen to you, and they flex their power, like you had said. But as of right now, why doesn't South Africa, you know, those who are oppressed vote in whomever, you know, represents their interests? So I think that's the reason why after decolonization, whenever Africa was supposedly going to be free from their colonial masters, the requirement was that you institute a democracy. Because if we're honest about the way that democracy operates, for South America, for example, you have politicians on both sides and they're all funded by corporate funders. So if you're having a, this idea that everyone's going to vote for whoever they want, but we know in reality, the people are chosen based on their affiliations with different corporations and the deals that they make with those corporations, then we understand that we're really not choosing anyone. Um, think about, you know, think about Obama, the quintessential, quintessential uh, black president and whatnot. Um, he had a lot of corporate funders. So while he was majority elected by black people, he did barely anything um, made some symbolism. So that's what happens inside of this idea of democracy. And you see the same thing in Africa, African governments. So, for example, um, a prevalent thing that you'll see as a neocolonialism is um, you'll have a, a, a democracy, people are voting. But let's say France is in the background making deals with your leaders, so they're able to bribe them. I'll give you five billion, five million dollars. You know, just give me unfettered access to your your uh, your mines. 
the people don't know any of this. They elected the president, but this is how neocolonialism is able to operate. So whenever you have these democracies, I I would argue that's a preferable method of government because it allows for these covert operations where they could still seize control um, of the of the land, even if they're not formally colonizing it. So what you're saying there's a there's a lot of um, crooked stuff going on behind the scenes and but Matt, would you say Mandela said it, you know, fit into that category? Um, I love a lot of things about Mandela, and, I, and I, I try to be very calculated when I criticize people who gave their lives for the struggle because most of us would not do that. So that first has to be said. But I think many South Africans would agree that in some ways he sold them out. Um, and he basically accepted terms that had no material benefit to the masses of African people. In my opinion, that's something that we all should be able to look at and say that you did not ultimately tear down apartheid. You allowed apartheid to evolve into something. And now it's more difficult to get out of the situation because when it evolves, it's hard to identify who is the enemy. Because like I said, now the, the black faces are the ones that are in control. You, you're not thinking so much about the white people that are fun, funding them. So that's the problem with those types of concessions. Okay. So, and, and you know, Nelson, that that's you know, I, I I'll be you know careful. I, I don't agree with his politics, you know, at all. But which one? You know, I, what was that? I said which ones? Uh, most of the the socialist, you know, um, you know, type things, you know, in regards to Mandela. You um, he he had a lot of uh, was he a communist? No, he was he was categorized as that because at that time, if they want to uh, find a way to demonize someone, they call them a communist. But um, he was they called him a terrorist. They did call him that, um, and that was more so um, the United States government because technically, if you're people who are fighting for your liberation and using violence, then you're going to be looked at a terrorist. But I would say that that's just someone fighting for their freedom. The same way that Americans fought for fought for their freedom from the British, I guess. All right, so okay. real quickly, we're going to get um, Swanee in here. We see him in the queue, uh, and uh, we want to see what Keith say about what you're saying. Uh, give me a moment. Swanee, how's it going? Good evening. Good evening. Can you hear me? Hear you good. What do you think about right. what was said? Uh, well, first of all, uh, thank you for letting me join the show. Great show. I've been listening to from the very beginning. Uh, how you doing, young lady? Uh, you have a lot of knowledge. And I appreciate, man, different perspectives, man, on this topic, uh, which is very, very important. Um, I'm going to go straight in, man. I've always said, you know, democracy is hypocrisy. Okay, what is democracy if our people aren't free, right? What is democracy if our people still don't have justice? Right, so people say the system is broken, but the system is designed in the way it's supposed to be. Um, so it's never been broken, it's just designed for us to be down. Um, and so with that being said, in order, in order for us to get back together, we have, to, we have to figure out a way to get back on code, okay? All these ethnicities have codes. They come into our country, they set up shop, they make themselves rich, and they go above us. For us, it's difficult because of our history. Um, 
So when we talk about slavery, yes, it happened. We talk about Jim Crow, it happened. We talk about Reconstruction period, it happened. Uh, we talk about the lynching, it happened. So we we have uh, we have a lot um, that we need to catch up on, and unfortunately, because of the indoctrination in the school systems, a lot of our people don't know the history. You know, just in this country prior to 1619. Um, so we have a lot of catching up to do, and it starts with education. Education is very, very important. Okay, Swanee, let, let's stop here. You, you um, mentioned something, and I know that you want to chime in on this also. You had mentioned as far as the schools, right? Mm-hmm. Can you hear me? Okay. So yeah, hear as far how much of the history needs to be known for a Black America to work? Uh, I think uh, almost, see, you got to understand, Black Americans is American history. Um, we have so many, so many different people, so many people uh, in our history that made America the way it is. We built this country, okay? Um, we built the foundation of it. Um, so everything was taught off of our backs, so off of our knowledge. Um, so we need to understand our history. A lot of people don't even know uh, how many um, inventors there are, black American inventors um, in this country. Um, there's, you know, there's, there's over 100 inventions um, that we created and people don't even know about that. Um, so it starts with the education, as I said before. Um, and yes, we need to know as much as history as possible. It can't just be about slavery. Um, it gotta be about why have we been down the whole time? Okay, why has the system uh, failed us? We have to ask those very important questions um, because it's important. Just, just think about um, the, black host, the, the black household in the 1970s. After the 1960s, really, up into the 70s, uh, the black households were breaking up. Um, you had the war, uh, where people coming home from war, nowhere to work. Um, that needs to be taught in our schools. And then you get the drug, uh, you know, epidemic and pandemic, you know, in the 80s and the 90s uh, with Crime Bill Joe. Um, people need to know that history to understand why we're in the position we're in right now. Uh, without that history and knowledge, our people are just walking like zombies. And then they watch, you know, the mainstream media, you know, they're only there to, you know, present certain information. Um, so as much as possible, we'll answer your question, um, not just slavery, Red, uh, you know, redlining. Um, uh, you know, we there's there's still, you know, we can't even the Senate can't even pass a bill for anti-lynching laws. You know, um, so people need to know about that too. Um, and so, and mass incarceration, man, it's so much I, I can speak on, um, but we need to know as much as possible about our people. Okay, but, but let's keep in context because a, a lot of your uh, what you're talking about is based on the current situation. And current situation, okay. one of the things that, the reason why this is be, being brought up is because a lot of people would say we're not in a position of pow power, the system's against us. Those type of things are what's keeping black people from being able to prosper. So I'm taking that out of the way. You know, I'm, I'm, we're, we're removing that off the picture America, you know, to the board. So, so. As far as that history, I agree with um, a lot of people. No, it doesn't echo. I can't really hear you too well. Sorry. 
Is this still yeah. going on? Can you get, okay. Yeah, but, but, but as far as that history, whether you get it or not, how does that make us do better or worse? Because, and, and one quick thing, you know, I have a lot of people who say we were kings and queens, which for the majority of black, black people, that's not true. But, um, you know, let's just say that, you know, that was. So if we were kings and queens, how does that make you better, you know, by knowing that? That's a very, that's, that's a good question. Go ahead, Keith. Yeah, uh, thanks. Uh, I think esteem and self-image is a very powerful thing. When you, I, I believe that you, what you see is what you believe. So if you're able to learn and um, see different type of images in terms of how black people are represented, you get a diverse uh, look in terms of how, you know, our, our, our people have, have uh, exercised their ability to create and do well um, in this country. I think that'll give people, uh, black people, black children, more options to say, "Dang, I could, I could, I could be this type of person. I'm not limited uh, to this path down just to, of success, just to be be, be a successful uh, football player or 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 rapper, right?" So history is very, I think, it's very critical uh, in terms of how it's how it's written and uh, awareness is, uh, you know, if we can use awareness as a flashlight. And be able to look at how black people did well in, in um right after slavery. Black people were doing well right after slavery because they came out of slavery with the, with the skills, with the uh with the know-how. Okay, but here's, here's the thing though, there was no symbolism, good symbolism going on after slavery, right? But the the, the fact is that black people had the opportunity to exercise uh their strengths at that point. And if they were allowed to pro- proliferate that and progress in that, where would black people be today? If they weren't, uh, if they weren't, uh, if there wasn't any type of uh, outside intervention to squash that, right? So if, 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 if well, black quick, people- um, Keith, Keith, are you on the speakerphone? Cause it's, I'm hearing a little echo again. You, you on I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah I'm on, on the speakerphone. I should have got it in the computer. I apologize. Okay. <laughs> All right, go, go ahead. Yeah, but if black children, if black black women, black men were able to uh, see, you know, um, the, learn about those things in terms of how black people black people are powerful and were powerful in spite of, I think that would raise the uh, the self image of uh, what a black person can do, right? And that will eliminate, that reduce. I want I shouldn't say eliminate. That will reduce uh, excuses in terms of how to be successful in the, in this uh, country. It just right. we just need more images. We need wanna, more images and no 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 true history, right? And that has to be. I think history has to be. Um, we it's, it's, it has to be a great re-education in terms of how you know we were we we have been perceived. Okay, uh, Tierney, is that is that how you say your name, Tierney? Okay, uh, can you respond to that? I want to hear what you got to say about that. Um, I agree with a lot of the points raised. Here's here's um, the way that I look at history. So if we are not looking at history, um, if we're beginning our history from our time in America, then literally we begin our history in slavery. To begin your history in slavery, how do you believe you'll have a future separate from slavery? Um, That's the real problem for Africans in America because if you are someone who's trying to see sovereignty and autonomy 
in your future, and yet you begin your history in slavery and enslavement, then you had no prior understanding that at one time your people were free, your people were sovereign. Um, I don't think that the whole whether or not we were kings or kings, and some of us were, some of us were, who's no, who can count, who can track that down at this point. I don't think that that's uh, necessarily a significant problem. I think the issue is that African civilizations were fundamental to the entire world. That's something that African people should know. Um, African people should know about the Mali Empire, the Ghana Empire. We should know about the Bantus. We should know that there was an African history, not like the one that was painted in the textbooks of a bunch of people running around with spears butt naked, but people who were scientists, people who the Western world would actually go to for um, further um, understanding of a lot of the concepts that they basically took and said that they originated it. So I think that's very significant for the purpose of understanding that you are deserving of sovereignty, deserving of liberation, and without having that as a, as a reality for you, I think our people have a very big difficulty trying to undo uh, what slavery has done. Wow. And, and you know what? I, I, I largely agree with the beginning part. If you're, if you're starting at slavery, that, you know, that, that's a big issue I have with the American school system, that right now that's, the majority of, you know, what happens, these kids go into school, they don't really know any of that. And then all of a sudden they're sitting, especially if you're in an in a, um, integrated school and you're sitting there with your white classmates and all of a sudden they show that we were slaves and you're looking around and they're looking at you and you're getting a little smaller <laughs> and, and so on. But I think that, you know, you're right. We have to look at the history before that. Now, you had mentioned a couple of different situ civilizations. You Hold said on, real, real, uh, quick, back real quick, Will, real quick. We got a uh, question real quick. I want them to answer this. Do you think the system of Black Wall Street would work today? Anybody want to answer for me? If, it, if it's for me, I, I, would tell, I would encourage everyone to read a lot of the writings of Dr. Jared Ball. He, he goes into Black Wall Street from a great we are used to um, doing so by. Um, because what he shows is that it's not, Black Wall Street was certainly an accomplishment. If you look at African people coming out of slavery able to do things um, that would, many people would not be able to do. But if the idea of it was that black people were completely self-sufficient with no help from white people, that's not true. Um, a lot of the people who work, who live inside of Black Washington were actually employed, or, or live inside of Tulsa were actually employed by the white system. So there's still a lot a level of dependency. Um, and so I think that's just a concept that we have to break. But um, as far as Black Wall Street, I think we should aspire to something beyond Wall Street. Understand Wall Street was not something that came from us. It's something that came from the people who oppressed us. So why not think about something that's an equitable system? Wall Street was nothing good to us. Wall Street literally sent us to a recession. Why would we want to replicate something that has been devastating to African people? Look at the mortgage crisis. Look at how many people lost their homes. I don't want to create a Black Wall Street. I want to create something where all African people would have a benefit. That's me. All right, uh, Keith. I, I I believe in the idea of black sufficiency when you when you when you look at uh, compared to a black Wall Street. You know, I, I um I you know I just want all black people to be able to you know have a system where they're they're not dependent on another group. Um, 
to do well for themselves and just be able to find, provide for the for the kids. I, I believe that Black Wall Street was a good example in terms of self-sufficiency. Um, that's what I have to say about that, that subject. And I think there were a lot of other examples besides the Tulsa uh, uh, example of Black, black uh, um, places that have Black influence that they, where Black people did well. Um, but you know, I just believe in self-sufficiency as a, as, a, as a people. That's a people. That's where, that's where things will really be the game game changer. When you're not, when you don't have to depend, when you're able to keep things or resources within your community and not have to spend the dollar outside and send it to uh, other other persons, I think that's where power really comes in, in, into it. Um, they, they say that the, the 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 average dollar in our community only stays in you know for a for, for a minimum amount of time compared to other communities so if we're able to you know mimic something like a black wall street this the, that's the mentality of that keeping you know that with keeping um resources within i'm for something like that you know i think the example of a wall a black wall street in terms of how they did it and what they were going for and the symbolism where they were going for i think that's 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 uh powerful within itself um, we just as a, as a people have to learn to say, okay, guys, we need to, we need to, we need to network and learn how to say, okay, man, let me go to my um, brother and sister and um, support them or their business, right? Um, rather than going to other, right? Because other usually goes to their to their whoever's in their uh, closest proximity, whoever looks like them first, right? So you know, if when when the black mind as a I, I don't believe it's going to change as, as a unit in my lifetime. <laughs> that's going to, that's going to take a while. But until we start to at least think about them, become more conscious of that, and say, "Wow, uh, I could keep my resources within my community and trade with my brother and sister." I think that's going to be the, uh, the game changer. All right, for the people watching, man, um, if you can just subs uh, subscribe, hit that like button, and also share this right now. Um, Swanee, what you think about that? He's on mute. All right. All right. Can you hear me? Yep. Yeah. Uh, great. Definitely great. Uh, great points. Um, a black Wall Street working uh, is definitely possible. Uh, but again, we got, we got to understand the history. How did it work? Why was it broken down? Right. Each and every time black people got together and start building their own, creating their own communities, uh, building their own stores. Uh, for an example, in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, the Hill District was booming um, with black folks. Um, so new developers came in, tore it down, and built a big civic arena, which is no longer there anymore. Um, but to get to that mindset, um, we have to educate ourselves, understand uh, how we can get to that point. Now, back to the point real quick, and I'll just touch on it quickly, about the kings and queens and the civilizations on the continent. Uh, everything was set up. Um, that everybody depended on one another. And that's how you build great civilizations, right? Uh, that's very important, especially from, from us, you know, the Bantu people uh, in Sub-Saharan Africa. Um, it's very important uh, how they connect with one another and we're connected with them uh, as well. Um, so it will work. How do we get there? Uh, we have to start by educating ourselves. We have to start by these conversations right now we're having, um, which is very important. 
and it's been neglected for so long. We need to we need to figure out how to get there and have these conversations uh, to make it happen. Uh, we need to stop this individualism, which is which is which is killing us as a people. You know, I make it so I forget about everybody on the show right now. No, in my mind, I'll tell you right now, if I make it, if if anything happened, we all gonna make it because I'm gonna make sure each and last uh, person on the show is gonna be with me, and we're gonna spread that, and we're gonna spread that, we're gonna spread that, so we can grow together as a people. Can I add something to that? Because I think um, your brother said something that I think is very true when you're talking about history. And I think like when you're looking back at Black Wall Street, I would encourage people to not so much focus on the people who became the ruling class or the bourgeoisie inside of there, but focus on what we want for our people going forward. Are we comfortable with a system where some people benefit where most people don't? I think because some of us are not used to seeing things like people earning airplanes, earning big businesses that we will romanticize um, a situation of Black Wall Street and aspire to that. But if you actually look back at your history in Africa, you understand that communalism, that is something that was the way of life. It's not about a few people doing well. Even whenever that would happen, there would be revolts in the society because it was not acceptable that your brother would be that one man would be rich and your brother would be poor. So that is why I look beyond Black Wall Street. That is an example of a few people who are able to benefit from the system, not where the masses of Africans were benefiting. And we have a lot of history to know that individualism is not necessarily have to be something that we aspire to. We have to stop only adopting what the white system has taught us and be willing to learn how are our people surviving for hundreds of millions of years or beyond that without having a capitalist type of mindset, you know, unless we're able to go back and evaluate what was actually just for most people instead of a few people, then we're just going to continue to see a situation where most of our people are going to be not living um, the, same, the same quality as um, some, a, a certain few. Okay, so you said That's you like- sound like a Marxist system. Do you think the Marxist system should work? Is that what you're saying? I'm a, I'm very much a socialist. I don't I'm not a Marxist. I'm um and a Seki Torre who were African socialists. Um but yes, absolutely. Uh and socialism, by the way, simply means the means of production to be owned by many instead of being owned by a few. And as I said, historically African people we never lived in a system where a few people would be, have a monopoly on power and it was not indicative inside of my character so i think it has a lot to do with why you see africans struggling under capitalism everywhere i don't know you can no one can name any instance where capitalism is good for the masses of africans and there's a reason for that because capitalism is not a system that is for the good of our people well i heard i heard you say communalism what, what did you mean by that to me, communalism and socialism are very similar, but communalism essentially is the community will be prioritized over the individual. I am not by myself. I am we, we are I. Um, and I could not feel that I'm going to be doing well when I see my people living in despair. So communalism, you'll have the community sharing resources, you'll have the community fighting for and advocating for one another. Um, and if you study, again, pre-colonial Africa, you'll learn a lot of our people operated in these types of systems. Okay. And I think that's that's definitely um interesting. Do do you pref would you prefer that? 
over the capitalist system? Of course. I, I prefer that as a Pan-Africanist. I prefer that as a socialist, but I also prefer that as a Christian. I cannot feel okay um, seeing many, many of my people suffering um, because I understand I could easily be them and they could easily be me. I'm no more important than the homeless person on the street. My children are no more important than their children. So ideally, we would have a society where all of us would be able to live beyond you know, these types of situations that we live in. And I think that um, if you look at this, look at the United States, let's just stay here. If you look at all the money coming into here, and you have a few people who are benefiting and so many people, more and more of the wealth gap is growing out of control. Um, I, I, I don't understand morally how I could be okay living in a system knowing when even if I'm doing well, there's more people who are suffering. So absolutely. No, I, so you I don't agree. think you don't, you don't think that that is a choice? People living in poverty. Do I think people choose to live in poverty? I'm sure there's some that case you might choose that, but I don't think that's the overall uh, story of our people. Uh, I think African people. The reason I became African Americanist was really because of the analysis of Marcus Garvey. Marcus Garvey said. He's from Jamaica. He goes to the to uh, Europe. He comes back, um, and then he goes to America. He says every single place where I've been, African people are suffering. And that's true. None of us can name any place where African people are doing well today. The masses. There's always going to be a few. There's always going to be a bourgeoisie class, right? Um, if you look at that analysis, we have to know. Unless you think African people are implicitly we have something wrong with us, and I hope no one, none of us think that lie, we have to question what is going on. Um, that we would have inside of this condition, we were not always inside of this condition. And I think whenever you search through and you research, what you realize is that our encounters with the European capitalist system has everything to do with our current condition. Well, you know, Tierney, you are an educated young woman and you know i appreciate you know i i like the things that you have done um I, I like that you put yourself in a position that you've been in so my question for you is can we um all get communal right now you know everyone on the on the line right now you know we could always use a little bit of help so can you spread the wealth we got that cash out we got that cash out down there so let's start the uh <laughs> Do you mean at this current state, can we all be communal? Of course. It's going to have to take everyone, though, because you mean communal. So that means American America will, first of all, stop raiding Africa and stop taking the resources from Africa. Um, that means Africa gets to keep its gold, keep its cobalt, which is inside of all of our cell phones. That means the Congo gets to be the richest country in the world, which it is if, if you look in their soil. They actually are the minimally rich country in the world. Yet how is it that they are actually the poorest country in the world if you look at the, the quality of life of all the people? Absolutely, we can now live communal. But communalism is for African people, for me personally, would start with Africa. I don't look at my existence here in America as uh, separate from Africa. I believe when Africa is free, we'll all be free. So if you're if you're asking that, yes, let's go to Africa, let's make everything communal, and America has to start paying actual worth of the resources, I would absolutely sign up for that. Right, but wouldn't you agree that, you know, right now you live in a situation where you're uh, doing a whole lot better than some of the people who are not only in Africa, but also over here. So what I'm saying is whenever I hear people say that, I always ask the question of why not start now? Why not, you know, take all of, because, you know, um, $50,000 over here is 
probably pretty wealthy in a lot of those countries. So why not, if we have any access, give away our riches right now so that we can be able to help those, you know, who need it. So it's funny you say that. I think people very much uh, don't understand the situation in Africa. There are about 1.2 billion people in Africa right now. Um, I'm, I just looked at these numbers recently, so that's why I'm trying to remember them. Um, I believe about 80% of people are living less than $5 a day, and about 40% are living on um, less than uh, $2 a day. So 1.2 billion people. We have a small diaspora. 13% of the population is African in America. Of that population, how many people are doing well? well let's just say 1% of that 13%. Of that 1% of that 13%, how many actually identify as Africa and want to go to Africa? A very small percentage. So when you think about these things, this idea that if all the diasporans who love Africa could go back and invest, then that would turn the colonial situation on its head. It's a complete false narrative. What no. we need to do is- Oh, hold on. I'm not talking about investing. What I mean by that is anyone who thinks the way that you do, all of the people who think the way that you do, all of you should start off by getting together and distributing all of your funds evenly amongst each other, housing, you know, you know, things like that, so that all you know communally everyone's equal. That's why I say there, there's no reason why not to start right now, because every movement starts with someone and it starts from somewhere. There's there's every bit of reason because the system is still intact. So if the system of colonialism, which is today neo-colonialism, which takes far more out of Africa than what is given in aid to Africa, that's a misconception that Africa's given all this aid. They don't understand that most of that money is going back to the West with interest. Um, so if that system is still intact, first of all, before, before anyone going back to Africa to me, the number one agenda has to be destroying colonialism, has to be destroying the imperialist system, and having your people be sovereign. And so if we're talking about taking the American dollar, which the American dollar has is fiat currency doesn't have anything in, in itself worth value. The value that is actually attributed to the American dollar is because of the imperialist practice of America forcing people into this monetary system. So if you're talking about taking the American dollar and imperialist currency and going back to Africa and distributing it, if you're talking about how many people, you're talking about the entire African population, 13%, well, uh, well, that would not be enough to reverse the colonial situation is what I'm saying. And what I would, what I, a better alternative would be if you say for us who are socialists, we should go back to Africa and reclaim all of the um, all of the resources that are claimed by the West in America. I must warn you that that reality would not be a very beautiful America for many of us who love America, because you're going to find out that your cost of your gas is going to skyrocket, the cost of your materials, the cost of all these things, when you realize how much they take from Africa. So I would be for communalism right now if we could disrupt the neo-colonial system, absolutely. Well, how, how can you disrupt that? Without oh, <laughs> organizing. Yeah, you have to organize. I'm very much a, a student of Kwame Torre, and he told us you understand how this is set up. You understand the system. You understand that there are institutions intact that ensure the situation. So the United Nations, the International Monetary Fund, the World Bank, the World Trade Organization. These are the the white system is 
very organized. Unfortunately, African people, we've not gotten organized to the level to combat these systems. So the first thing that we have to have on our agenda, whether you decide to stay in America or whether you decide to go to Africa, is that you have to organize to be able to combat these types of systems. Otherwise, you're not going to be doing anything as an individual. Individuals do not change history, only organizations do. How many people in America do you think probably agree with that, that are black, that are African? That's hard to say. I know I'm outside of certain circles, so I get some reflection that maybe not the rest of us will. But I think that um, I think that more and more the consciousness of people is once again raising up because it's not like this is the first time it's happened. We've had moves of Africanism in America before. I think the the, the American um, as opposed to American hypocrisy, or he said democracy. Hypocrisy. I'll say the American hypocrisy. Um, the fact that this country can't do basic things for the people who suffered the most. You see just now, they had a Juneteenth holiday celebration without actually passing a, a peace bill they've been promising was going to come. And then they just had the voting rights bill go a whole other way. The country has shown that they're not going to produce African people here. So I think at a certain point, you have to start questioning if I have no future here, and if I don't think I'll ever be safe here, my children will never truly be safe if we're living in an occupier presence. What future do we have here? And when people come to that mature um, analysis, you have to point them to the fact that you were a sovereign people before you were ever here. You have a future and you have a destiny. And that destiny, if you don't want it to be in slavery, you have to claim the place that you come from. Okay. Okay. All right, let's let's uh, change gears. Well, it's not changing gears too much, but how much history uh, do you need to know for black people to know for this to work? Anybody, anybody can answer? Oh, okay, sorry. I think it's a, I think it's a hard question to answer in terms of how much history. I mean, but uh, I, I, well, um, one opinion can we just, uh, one of my opinions we can say we can start as already mentioned in this conversation. What was happening prior to enslavement? Right? We didn't. We didn't. We're, we're not get that whole slave label. Uh, we were just slave labeled out out the picture. Right. So I think um, starting from a point where we're more empowered and how we transition to that state and then how we transitioned out, I think it, it up to a point where, you know, we are now, I think maybe, you know, beneficial. Uh, and that's, that's sub, it's probably going to be subjective in terms of who you're going to be teaching in terms of how much information they want, right? But, uh, you know, in terms of how, how much in history we should, you know, being able to quantify that, that's kind of hard to answer. You know, that'll be on, probably be on demand in terms of who wants it. But I think it's something that's necessary, uh, important and significant to, to, to look at, right? Because history is not being taught the way it should be taught to empower uh, people of uh, color or black people. It's, it's, what I'm saying is being taught inaccurately. That's what I'm saying. Okay. Yeah, what, what Keith is saying is very important um, because there's this 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 a, a, a twofer on, on this one. Um, you know, we can talk about history starting at 1619 uh, as they want us to, uh, or we can talk about the history prior to 1619. Uh, right? Uh, how do we get over here on slave ships? Um, right? So that's very important. Uh, who was involved in the slave trade? That's very important. Uh, was it just the Spanish and Portuguese? Was it Germany and France and UK? Uh, the Dutch? It was all of them. Uh, was it some of our people uh, that was helping? 
the colonial powers? Yes. Um, so that history is important, but that can be uh, a history lesson all, all on its own, separate from American history starting in 1619, um, because we can we can get messed up really and tripped up a lot um, if we're not teaching properly. Um, to Keith's point, an uh, accurate teaching, you know, has been done for the last 400 years. Uh, so how do we get back to um, to correct that wrong? Uh, we have to understand the past, um, and we have to go to the past prior to 1619 and figure out how was this system set up? Why was this system set up? Was this system designed for Black Americans? Was this system designed for slaves that become at Black Wall Street? And to answer those questions is, is no, but this is a loaded question um, that can go, this this conversation on that question can go for, for years. Um, and where do you start? Is, is a question, you know, um, I, you know I, I pose back. Okay. And, and I think that, Tierney, did you have anything to add to that? Um. Yeah, I think, that it's very true. If you don't know your history, you can't know your future. Um, I think the problem that I have with our current generation is our selective um, taking in of information. And many of us don't want to go back and examine uh, what has happened previously. I'll say specifically as far as liberation movement, because we'd be very surprised. A lot of the song and dance we've been dealing with with the Democrats, um, which was previously our song and dance with the Republicans. This is something that's historical. It's something that did not come out of nowhere. It's been a very much a conspiracy to pretend that you're giving concessions to the most exploited people when you're really using them for your own political leverage. Many of our people do not either don't care or they um, don't know um, that this is something that's happened for a long time. And because of that, we just see this thing happening over and over again. Um, the other thing, though, is that I think that many of us aren't aware that a lot of the things we try to do, our ancestors have already done. Um, if you're talking about um, if you're talking about domestically, we want to free ourselves and try to uh, take control of the black community. We haven't studied what the plan of was Malcolm X when he was trying to institute the organization of Afro-American unity. I don't take it serious if you didn't study that. If you didn't, if you didn't study what Marcus Garvey was trying to do when he was trying to do something similar, I don't take you serious. So we have a lot of a, we have a Wikipedia generation. I think we have a generation that tries to start history. Um, based on what they see on their timeline instead of going back and studying the people who've done it before that. And because of that, I think that's why we see, like, it's like we're on a hamster wheel continually um, and unable to get off because people are unwilling to be analytical and look outside of their um, present experience and understand that we've been dealing with the same thing for a long time. Mm. Well, all right. So my thought in the, in the big point of it, um, I do believe that our history overall does make a difference, but I would go back even towards, you know, biblical times of knowing who's who, knowing who the who the Kushites are, you know, the, the different civilizations, um, the Canaanites and so on that came out after that. And I, I know that every from, you know, the people that are on here, I know we have a different view on some of that biblical history and that that's um okay as long as we come to a consortium at, you know at some point but i do think that it does need to be examined so that there could at least be you know debate or education or whatever you know because in, you know in the biblical stuff there's a 
a lot of black presence. And, you know, the, you know, when, when you're going around the world and they're doing excavating, they're finding a lot of stuff that has a lot of, you know, black presence, um, including apparently in America, you know, before, you know, um, before the slave trade actually happened. So, you know, I, I do think those are important, but just like um, Tierney said, all points. And I would even go as far as like when we're looking at these different African nations, a lot of times what people do is um, if they want to make a certain point, they'll only speak about the positive aspects. But the truth is, is that evil has been going on since the beginning of time. So when we look right. at all Absolutely. of it, you know, we, we have to really examine all of it because bloodshed is not an American thing only. Absolutely. Well, I, I think it depends, though. Um, if you're fighting a war, I would think that your first concern is figuring out your enemy, um, not figuring out the enemy of history. So, for example, if America goes to war against Japan, I don't think that they're concerned with the history of violence before whatever happened at Pearl Harbor. They're specifically targeting your enemy at the time. I think there's nothing wrong with African people beginning their their history as, or beginning their um, strategy as far as warfare against the present reality. Because if we understand that the system is only an evolution of what came out of first the transatlantic slave trade, then the colonization of Africa um, about a hundred and so years after, then we'll be able to deal with that problem and move on to other things once we have a fair and equitable society. Well, I mean, there never has been a society like you're talking about. You know, um, if you look at uh, in the 1600s, or well, before that, um, these these um, empires, they were doing a lot of evil stuff, correct? Like uh, sacrificing humans, you know, selling slaves, pirates, and different things like that, even before uh, Europeans took over in the 1600s, correct? There's always... There's always been evil. That's not what I'm denying. What we have to understand, though, is that the present reality is unlike anything anyone has ever seen. Like I just told you the number of African people struggling on $5 a day on a continent where they literally are on the richest continent in the world. That is a very extreme situation. Right. When you're poor and the minerals are right under you, that's very extreme. We've never seen anything like that. So it's not to say that there weren't problems and that Africans would not have evolved culturally the same way that humans always evolve culturally, but it's to say that the situation that we're dealing with to me is a, self, a certain level of inhumanity that is to shock the consciousness of all of our people. And it's gonna come close to home very soon all of our people because the population boom in Africa is only getting worse, or not worse, I'm sorry, it's only growing more. Um, and they're saying by 2050, the population could even double. Think about how much poverty is going to be inside of Africa at that point. They can't even care for their cells inside of a colonial system. But think about double the poverty and think about how much disorder that's going to cause. So to me, if you want to avoid these types of things, you have to deal with the system that's the root. And the root is colonialism. Uh, I mean... Uh, I would disagree with that in a sense that we're talking about colonialism. There, there's been colonialism in some sort of way all throughout history. So, for example, the Ottoman Empire, you know, that's an example of, would, would you say that that's colonialism? I would was say that's a, That's what? 
So one, I would say that's imperialism, um, which is in its childish colonialism. Um, and colonialism, I think the thing that we have to have, again, a, a mind to critique it is this idea that you claim a separate, a separate uh, country as yours and um, do not give the people any rights and you're continually extracting from them. Um, I, again, I don't know any situation that has led to this cat level of catastrophe. I think because we're in America, we're kind of like blocked from what's happening. But if, if you pay attention to what's happening in Africa, it's very shocking what's happening. And I don't know of a time that that has ever happened, ever. And, and to piggyback on that, um, the Ottoman Empire, they, they was a big part of the, uh, the slave trade, correct? Of course, and we know that slavery also existed in Africa before. We also know that the slavery that existed in Africa was not the slavery. That's why it's like kind of hard. Do you how do you compare a system where uh, okay, you had a lot of people who would be enslaved either by war or by um, um, by war that situation similar to slavery in the Bible, um, but it was not based on your uh, race. You were still a person. You still had rights. Um, versus a system where we're going to go in and take anyone who we can um, based on the color of your skin, and you will never have rights, you'll be an animal, we'll teach you like you're subhuman, and you might be able to buy your freedom eventually, but even then, you're still going, you're still not going to be a citizen. I mean, it's very different realities. Well, they, they did um, sacrifice humans. In Africa? Of course, then there's there's practices that have happened in every civilization. I don't know what that has to do with enslavement. Like I said, the consciousness and the morals of people and the outrages of people will always evolve, and they will evolve into a positive way if the people are allowed to come to a logical conclusion. Um, but what we're seeing is we're dealing with systems, we're dealing with individual societies, we're not dealing with individual people. We're dealing with a system that's international and global. And to me. African people saying we want to focus on the system because we cannot continue to live like that. That's right. something that everyone should be behind. Right. Well, um, I know I know a lot of Africans that came over here and they're they're um they're doing a lot better than they did when they were over there. You should ask them how they got over there. <laughs> good, good question. I need to do that. Mm. Well, yeah, you might want to ask them how they got over here. You might want to ask them what their reality was. And the bigger question I think that we could be asking is why did you feel the need to leave? And the need to leave is because you're not in public territory. You know, you have yeah. uh, every year that there's you know, thousands of African people who drown inside of the Mediterranean Sea trying to reach Europe. It's the saddest thing you've ever seen. America's so great, isn't it? When you think about what's creating, what will create a situation, it's not because they hate Africa. Many people love Africa. Many people are sad to leave Africa. But the economic catastrophe that is continually ha happening inside of their countries leads them to think they have the way out. That's, again, a very extreme situation. So anyways, I would say that Africans who come to America, you have to ask them all, each will tell you something different. Um, some of them are of economic privilege when they leave. Some of them are not. Um, some of them are able to take advantage of opportunities here, but those opportunities are no material benefit to the people who need it the most, which is, again, we're going back to the issue of individualism. One second, Tierney. I think that it's we not, have... Tierney. I think we have an African in the queue. Give me one second. Ezekiel. Ezekiel, Ezekiel. how's it going? Is he okay, muted? Hi, can you guys hear me? Hey, you're very well. You can hear so, me? Yeah, so what part of Africa are you from? I hear you. Uh, yeah, I'm from Nigeria. Okay. Like, 
All right. Um, what you think about what's going the questions that's been going on? Have you been watching the show? Can you hear us? Yes, I've been watching the show. I've been enjoying the conversation. Uh, I, I love the dialogue. I love, you know, yes. I know, I think I'm echoing. Um, are you on speakerphone? Uh, on my computer. Yes. I know, I think I'm echoing. Um, are you on speakerphone? Uh, no, I'm on the, I'm using the audio from the computer. Yeah, can I jump in there real quick and make it make it make a quick point real quick? Um, you know, you know, on the the, the African people, we gotta understand the kingdom of Con Congo. Uh, with King Alfonso um, was in there. We have to understand that history because when the colonial powers from Portugal came in with Christianity or Catholicism, um, which they everybody um, they they were indoctrinated with Catholicism, that caused a civil war amongst the people in Congo, and the people start fighting against one another. And King Alfonso sent a letter to Portugal and said, "My people are." you know, fighting amongst each other and this wasn't supposed to happen. So that was the beginning of colonialism, you know, on the continent, okay, started by Spain and Portugal, okay, and there were so many people um, that were um, fighting against each other. So to the point of why Africans flee and migrate, that's because of the civil wars that's been happening amongst the people due to the indoctrination of Catholicism and how it was taught at that time, um, which caused a lot of, uh, you know, that's why people, like in Cameroon right now, there's still a civil war going on right now. Um, and th there's there's some of our people who fled that that area to, to come here. Um, but we we have to understand how they get here. Yeah, how they get here, it's because of it, it's, it's, it's bad in certain areas. Um, it's not bad in all areas. It's, it's bad in certain areas. I wish my man Fawn Naji was here. Yeah, my fault. Swanee, quick question. Why don't they flee from Cameroon to Kenya or Tanzania or any of those other countries? Go, go ahead. You have to understand the colonial power still exists on the continent, okay? Um, not every African country which before it was a big kingdom of Congo, right in the center, right? Um, every country wasn't colonized, okay? And every country right now is not a sovereign country. There's very few that are sovereign countries. And yet they still use a Euro uh, or the Franc um, and some use a US dollar, but they all, all we, we don't have a world bank system on the continent. Okay, so the money that they give or they receive goes back to European powers. So people cannot, why would they flee to like northern Nigeria per se, um, where there's so much going on right now? Um, it's a civil unrest. Not that it's all bad. You know, uh, our people in, in southern Nigeria, uh, the Igbo people and the Yoruba people and tribes, um, they're set up just fine. Uh, but the problem is, is that 
it, there's so many, there's so many um, breakdowns um, that it's hard for people just to migrate to another area um, to fit in into their way of life because of uh, the civil unrest and because we're still fighting the European powers or the colonial powers still to this very day. Uh, the European powers come in and take all our resources and sell it to us, right here, right here in America and all over the world. Um, so the people, you know, need to educate themselves. Um, and for 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 500 years, the African people or people or Bantu's people, um, they were not educated on even how we even got over here in America. Um, so they were indoctrinated by European education. Um, so we need to understand that they weren't in, they weren't educated by what the real true history of the people and how they got here and how people migrated from Northeast Africa to be quite frank and honest about that. Um, so that, that history is deep. And in order for people to really understand that, they need to know the history on the continent. Who played a vital role in the slave trade, um, the civilizations, what caused the civil unrest, uh, what practices that they practice today, uh, which is a lot of them um, that are most, uh, a lot of them practice still Hebrewism right now uh, because their ancestors, they believe their ancestors are true Hebrew Israelites. Um, so there's a lot of history going, going on with that, but you know, there's, there's a lot, there's, there's a lot of uh, many different reasons why you know they don't they don't go to Kenya way over to East Africa, uh, you know, or or even North Africa. Okay, hmm. we are going to respond. Have... <laughs> oh, go ahead. What you want to say? Go ahead. Uh, no, we'll we'll let Terry respond. Um, that this is a, a a subject. I have a lot to say on it, but we're we're not going to. We don't have till two a.m. So <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll let Ernie uh, respond to it, Keith, and then we'll wrap up. I agree with what was said. And I think that, again, um, first of all, I don't want to hear anyone's analysis of uh, Africa if they've not studied colonialism and studied neocolonialism, because your analysis is just going to be a reaction to what you're seeing. You're not understanding what's creating the environment. And so I think a lot of people, they make these juvenile assumptions of Africa. Oh, Africans are running to America for opportunities. No, they're fleeing economic catastrophe. And again, I really want people to think fundamentally, how does it make sense that Europe and America, which have nowhere close to the amount of resources of Africa, nowhere close to amount of gold, diamond, cobalt, all of these essential resources, rubber, which is goes into our coal tires. How does it make sense that these regions are the richest in the world and Africa, which is the richest region, continent in these resources is the poorest? It doesn't make sense. And so I think just by a human um, empathy for the situation you have these people dying from poverty who have historically been rich um, and not in control of their own resources the humanity and you should say something should change and so that's what I think Ezekiel agree with, agree with you so he, he couldn't get back on but he agrees with what you said <laughs> okay okay yeah, that that E word empathy is is, is uh, thank you for that. Because <laughs> as, as I was thinking about a conversation in terms of why people leave their, their environment, you know, I was thinking about the Caribbean. Uh, uh, no disrespect to any other Caribbean person, uh, but if you know a, a person in Jamaica uh, wouldn't want to leave Jamaica to go to uh, 
uh, another impoverished island. If you, I'm not even going to say you know one of the islands that no one is talking about. But when you um, when you see that you're able to make to have at least the opportunity and to uh, you know provide for your family in in, in, um, in a country like America, you're still under that that system. You know, you have some type of some type of chance, right? But I think empathy uh, is kind of very critical to understand in terms of social economics. And also there's uh, a lot of invisible plans that influence, you know, the upper, the, 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 the structures in these different countries, right? So it's not just uh, uh, people of color, black people making, you know, decisions that will harm their own people. There are other influences that affect the decisions that they're doing. So it's not so simplistic to say, hey, you know, um, uh, you know, hey, you know, you just go to another country and you're on your same continent. No, you're still in the same uh, type of uh, uh, structure, power structure. And, you know, I think it's important that, you know, we just know that, you know, everything is not so simplistic in terms of, uh, it, oh, it's just a decision, it was just a choice. There's, there are other influences out there that affect uh, black people. Awesome, awesome. Um, Tony, you got anything before we close up? Yeah, just just real quick, um, you know, um, I, I appreciate the conversation. Um, I, I love dialogue. I love objective perspectives. Um, and on, honestly, this is where it starts. Uh, it starts with a conversation. You know, I, I respect anybody has the courage to even speak on these kind of topics. Uh, subject matter because it's important to our people um, for us to exist. We need to know ourselves. We need to empower our people and come together. Uh, but I do want to say, um, you know, before Marcus Garvey, there was Booker T. Washington. who was Marcus Garvey's mentor. Um, and, and at the same time, um, there was Marcus Delaney as well. Um, these black men also, um, you know, really, you know, kind of stepped up uh, before Marcus Garvey came on the scene. Um, and so I just wanted to shout them out. And as far as black history, and that's important as well, because all we hear about is Marcus Garvey um, and the Pan-Africanism. Uh, but you got to think about Paul Cuff also is another one, Martin Delaney and Booker T. Washington as well. Um, so we have to continue the conversation, man. I love you guys and I appreciate the content and the subject matter. And uh, we need we need more of this, man. Um, we can disagree on a lot of matters, but at the same time, it's all about coming together, and that's what it's all about. I love y'all. I love you back, man. And um, definitely, uh, Tierney has a, a bit huge platform. Definitely um, subscribe to her channel if you want to uh, promote your your movement. Oh, sure. I'm on uh, YouTube. You search African with a K, Esquire TV, and you should find my channel. So, yeah, you'll find me there. Real quick, Swanee, I ain't never seen you without a hat, man. What's going on? <laughs> I don't know, man. Just, uh, I'm on mute still. Oh, okay, you can hear me. <laughs> nah, man, just had to, uh, to get a little breeze, man. That's all. Okay, let it air out. <laughs> all right, definitely. Uh, hey, hey, I used to have, I used to have here, like, uh, uh, Miss T is what I call you because I don't know how to pronounce your name. <laughs> I used to have an afro just like that back in the day, and it just it all went away. <laughs> <laughs> well, definitely like uh, like the page, subscribe, and share this information. This was a dope conversation. We appreciate all the guests on here um, on this late night. And uh, Will, you want to close it up? Yeah, absolutely. 
you know, and yeah, appreciate everyone who took their time out to come on. This is definitely a conversation that, you know, um, it's something that could go ongoing, but we want to take action. And one thing that even though we don't all agree, I think that if we want to, you know, make things better, if we each in our, you know, our own capacity and different organizations that we're working with or whatever it would be, you know, work towards that, you know, that we could end up making a better, even a, a better African world. So let, let's keep pushing, you know, and, um, you know, love you guys. Appreciate you guys coming out. All right. Take it easy.